there are usually two ways of approaching the scripture. You can look at it through exegesis or through hermeneutics. And as a matter of fact, both go hand in hand. Exegesis and hermeneutics go hand in hand. Exegesis being looking at the passage itself, trying to see how things relate with each other, how the characters are created, uh, the movements in the story, the climax, and all of that. So that's what exegesis does. Hermeneutics, on the other hand, is really what does this message say to me and to you this morning, right now? And so what I want us to do briefly in this homily is to do a quick exegesis, take a close reading of the narrative of especially the gospel, and then we now conclude with some hermeneutics. So let's zoom in into the gospel story this morning and see how things are working within that story. But first of all, bear in mind the context, the background of that story. Remember that there had always been a historical, cultural, and spiritual hostility between the Jews and the Gentiles. At the time of Jesus, it was so intense that even the Jews will not want to pass by the neighborhood of Gentiles. So that is the background of what is going on in our story this morning. And so Jesus and his disciples now set out, and they decided to pass through the region of Tyre and Sidon. And suddenly, a Canaanite woman begins to cry out and said, Sir, son of David, please help me. My daughter is possessed. Please help me. And Jesus totally, totally ignores her. Now, that's itself very shocking and surprising. That Jesus would ignore this woman who is crying out for mercy and crying out for a miracle. But Matthew, that Matthew is getting to something. Matthew is creating a dramatic effect. Because typically, a rabbi will not talk to a woman that is not accompanied by a man. Talk less of a Canaanite woman. And so Jesus, ignoring the woman for the onlookers, it was like, well, that's what rabbis do. They don't talk to women. So why would Jesus talk to you? And so that is the first level of the movement that kind of surprises the reader. Matthew is trying to set up this story. Mind you, he's writing to Jewish readers, beginning from what they know, and now he's going to boom, boom, boom. He's going to bang on their heads, and they are like, whoa, whoa. And so, yes, Jesus ignores the woman because that is typically how rabbi will do. They don't talk to women and talk less of a Canaanite. So Jesus just ignores the woman and just keeps moving on. But here is what happens. The woman does not give up. Regardless of the negligence, of the insult, of the non-recognition, she keeps screaming out at Jesus and says, Sir, please help me. 
I need help. Give me help. I know you can do it. Help me, please. And that now takes us to the second movement of the story. The disciples now walk up to Jesus and say, Master, you know, can you just please do something and let's get rid of this woman? Of course, they were not intervening out of love for the woman, but it's because they want to get out of that area as quickly as possible. Imagine someone who lives in a very good area, say maybe somewhere in our area here, and you have to have a business in the bad area of the city. You want to get in and get out as quickly as possible. If you're going to where there are a lot of crimes and a lot of things happening, you don't want to go lingering around that neighborhood for too long. Just get in and drive out as quickly as you can. And that's precisely what is going on. The disciples were not comfortable lingering in a neighborhood that was spiritually dirty. A neighborhood that was spiritually a slum, so to speak, by their reasoning. And so they were telling Jesus, please just give her whatever she wants. Let's get out of this place as quickly as we can. But mind you, Matthew is doing something. He's setting up the story. And so Jesus decides, you know, I was not sent to, to these people. I was sent only to the house of Israel. And that is Matthew's dramatic essence. And so Jesus was not denying the, the apostles essentially. He was doing a dramatic rejection. This is like what happened somewhere else in Matthew when people were following Jesus and for a long time they became hungry. And then the disciples came to Jesus and said, Master, please send them away because it's getting dark and we don't have food. And he says, you give them something to eat. But of course, he, Jesus, already knew what he was going to do. And so that's exactly what is going on here when Jesus decides to deny the intervention of the disciples. And so that now takes us to the final movement. The woman was still insistent, still persistent. And now the woman comes before Jesus, face to face, vis-a-vis, eye to eye, eyeball to eyeball, and say, look at me, master. This is what I want. You give it to me. I've been crying after you. I've been following you. I need intervention now. And Jesus was like, wow, you are a feisty woman. He said, yes. And now Jesus said, look, it's not right for me to take the food that was meant for children and give it to dogs. Now, that is for me the one that was like, ah, what's, what's going on here? It sounds rather insulting. But that is when we don't do a close reading to try to understand what the parable means. Now, let's try to digress a little bit. Americans, we love our pets. All you need to do is go to a big grocery store, just go to the pet food aisle, and then you know what we mean when we say Americans, we love our pets. And so when you have a, a person who has, for instance, a beautiful chihuahua with some gold necklace and everything all around the chihuahua, this is beautiful. Now, the concept of a dog to that person is certainly different from a person who has no fond relationship with dogs. 
And so when you tell a person who has a chihuahua at home, or what other kinds of breed now, I don't know. I'm not too good in, in the names of dogs, but maybe an Alsatian, a Caucasian, a Dane, or whatever the breed is. And you say to the person, look, it's not good for you to take the chocolate made for, meant for the children and give it to your chihuahua. The person will like, well, I know, I know. It might not be as insulting. And so it's not really that Jesus was calling the woman a dog. But when you look at the, the, the Greek use of the small dog, a lap dog, a chihuahua, Jesus is basically saying, look, no matter how you love your chihuahua, no matter how you love your dogs, children take preeminence. There's always a scale of preference. And that is what I have come to do. I'm not saying that you are a dog, but I'm saying that in the salvation economy, the Israelites and the Jews take preeminence. And then the woman now comes back with a very powerful argument. He said, look, even my chihuahua fits very well. Even my Alsatian, Caucasian, good shepherd fits well from whatever is left over. God has an abundance. And I know, yes, I do not deserve priority, but I know I have a place in God's scheme. Do for me what I have asked for. And Jesus says, you are a great woman. You are a woman of great faith. And that's where now the story wraps up. So that is our brief exegesis. We've tried to take a closer look at the reading. Now let's do some hermeneutics. So what does this really mean for you and for me this morning? This is a story that was written 2,000 years ago, but what does it mean for all of us this morning? And so last night I kept praying over this message, trying to see what, can, what, what does it mean for me? What does it mean for us right now, this morning, at St. Elizabeth and Seton? And I came up with three important messages. The first one is about perseverance and struggling with God. And this woman is an epitome this woman really reminds us of how important it is for us to be persistent in our relationship with God. Because sometimes, just as we read in the story, it might not always happen the way we want it immediately. But when we are persistent, when we recognize that sometimes we need to wrestle with faith, we need to wrestle with God in our determination and in our desire for what we want. God will always grant them when we ask. The next thing I want us to, to look at is um, the plan of God. The fact that God has a plan not just for the universe, but for each and every one of us as individuals. And that's precisely one of the things we'll learn from our story this morning. That God has a plan for you. He has a plan for me. He has a plan for all of us. We may not always understand the fullness of that plan, but we know that that plan is good. And that's precisely why the woman was persistent and the woman was expectant knowing that God is love and God is mercy, and that mercy will surely come to her if she persisted and if she insisted. And then finally, the power of faith. 
Faith is that thing that hope opens, gives us access to the abundance of God's mercy. And one of the things we realize in our story this morning is that nobody has a monopoly of God's salvation. Not even us Christians claim a monopoly of God's salvation. And that's what's going on in all the other readings. That God's mercy is wide, his kindness is abundant, and he has an open door for all men and women of goodwill. And so this final point about faith is what we really want to pray for this morning. Recognizing that faith is what grants us the visa to the kingdom of God. That's why I love um, one of these passages in St. Paul's letter to the Corinthians, where he says, we walk by faith. In fact, it's one of my favorite songs of faith. I think there's a verse in that song that says something like, um, we walk by faith and not by sight. No gracious words we hear from him who spoke as none spoke. Yet we believe him near. If we walk by sight, that's when we see difference. If we walk by sight, that's when we see rich and poor. If we walk by sight, that's when we see Catholic or Pentecostal. If we walk by sight, that's when we see young or old. If we walk by sight, that's when we see black or white. But when we walk by faith, we see only one. And that's love, mercy, kindness, goodness. And so our prayer this morning is that just like this Canaanite woman, that the Lord continues to give us the grace to walk always, always by faith and never by sight. Amen.